Welcome to the See Me Now podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Coleman, here with my co-host, Caitlin Birdsall. And we are joined today by CMU Associate Professor of Computer Science, Ram Bosnet. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I love your story because you actually arrived to CMU um, as an undergrad, as an international student. That's right. Tell us that. Let's go back and that whole journey. How did you end up here? Where are you from? Well, that's a long story. I guess I tried to squeeze uh, in a few sentences. So uh, after I finished my uh, high school, I was looking to go abroad to study somewhere. Came to University of Idaho, and uh, after a year, uh, I wanted to go to a smaller sc- uh, school, a college, and then I just stumbled on Mesa State College then, and then I transferred to Mesa State College and graduated with uh, computer science. Uh, bachelor's and minor in mathematics. And what is it about a smaller school that kind of kind of drew you here? I was feel I feel lost kind of uh, in uh, in big university, uh, just big classrooms, right? Um, just uh, some classes were, classes were taught by uh, graduate uh, uh, research research assistants, uh, and it didn't feel like we could really connect. With big classrooms and and just uh, big just university environment was, uh, I felt like I was lost, right? I wanted, I was looking for something smaller, something I could interact with faculty uh, more, I guess, uh, directly, uh, and probably get feedback and hopefully hoping my faculty would know me, right, and my story, right, and things like that and. Yeah, and and yeah, moved to uh, transfer to uh, State College, and 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 uh, I, I, I'm so glad I did that. So you're originally from Nepal, and I'm curious if you always knew you wanted to study abroad over here in the United States, or what was it that drove you to want to be here? Opportunities, I guess. Uh, well, friends moving, uh, going up, start going abroad to study. Um, and uh, just like I could do that as well. I was a fairly good student in high school. Uh, I just uh, maybe I would not be challenged uh, at the universities in Nepal. Uh, and, and then just uh, all the programs I, I, you know, I could study, like for example, computer science is a program, right? I, I would be, I was interested in pursuing and they, they, don't, they didn't have that program then and they may still not have it. And so, I- I'm a newer mom. I've got a little 15-month-old at home, and I'm already thinking about her going to college. We're already saving for her college. And I hope that she goes out and gets to have an amazing college experience. And whether that's here in Colorado, here at Colorado Mesa University, or across the country. But I'm also anxious about it as a mom, thinking about my little one being out in the world on her own. Absolutely. Was it hard for your family when you made that decision at, you know, 17, 18 years old to come over here to the United States? Or were they fully supportive and understood completely why you wanted to come abroad? Uh, I could really tell how, uh, I guess, their perspective from their perspective, but I'm sure uh, they were really, really happy and excited that I got an opportunity to uh, come to the United States to, for my higher education, uh, being a first in the family to finish, finish high school, right, and then go to college. And the college in the United States is pretty big achievement in some ways, so I'm sure they would be very proud. Uh, and in, in terms of uh, connections, right, uh, like family being worried about me, I, I always uh, I went to 
uh, boarding school away from home since I was seventh grade, right? So I was five, six years already away uh, most of the time from my parents, right? And I used to see them couple, a couple of times a year, right? So that, uh, so that I was already ready, right? And hopefully the parents were ready to some extent. And I was just going away to study anyway. I'm not just moving forever. It, but I'm here uh, actually, and <laughs> that's ironically, but... Yeah, we uh, we meet, uh, we talk on phones, and you know, we even back then we we chatted once in a while, or wrote mails, uh, talked talked over phones once in a while, and it, everything was going okay because I was just busy here uh, doing my studies, right? And they were just happy that I was a good student and finishing my schools. Tell us a little bit about the culture uh, in Nepal. I mean, I know we have some Nepalese restaurants here, and I love the food, but I've actually never been. So can you give us a little flavor of what it's like there? Uh, definitely different culture. Uh, food is great, uh, right? So, yeah, uh, spices, uh, hot and spices. We have uh, some Tibetan influence, right? So northern part is uh, closer to Tibet. The southern part is close uh, with border with India, so we have influence, uh, cultural influence from both uh, Tibet, uh, China, and and in India, right? So in terms of food uh, and cultural uh, traditions and stuff like that, um, yeah. But you know, we do get the test of little Nepal here because we have three Nep- Nepalese restaurants, uh, and if you, even if you go to any Indian restaurants or Tibetan restaurants, you you may. F- if you had any Nepalese food, you may find some similarities. similarities. Um, yeah, and there are some stores, Asian stores, where you can go fi- uh, buy uh, uh, spices and um, uh, stuff, right? That you could cook on your on your on your own uh, uh, if you, if you if you know how to cook some uh, Asian Nepalese or Indian or get a, uh, get a recipe book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you did not grow up in um, Kathmandu, the capital. You grew up in a rural part of Nepal. What was it like growing up in rural Nepal and and back in you know those times? Yeah, back in nineties. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, very different, right? Um, in nineties, as a as a young um, kid growing up, growing up in rural Nepal, right? It's villages. I actually, I grew up. Luckily, my parents moved to a little smaller. Uh, another bigger village, right? Still away from Kathmandu, right? So well, from where I was born, uh, um, but it still is very rural. Was very rural. Um, uh, yeah, different. Uh, very small. Uh, very limited resources, right? So uh, the, the transportation-wise, uh, and the, the electricity and and running water and everything else was just uh, there's building in, into the little t- village town. Right uh, when I was growing up, um, but uh, the, the the good memories are like we used to run around with friends, go anywhere, like when a hike around, um, like like in the in the mountains, for hours, right, and not have to worry about anything. And parents would be just as long as you come ho- come home, right, for dinner, right, and it's you don't have school, right. We just go out and play in wherever, right, in the, in the river, in in the valley, right, up in the mountains. And doing whatever we want to do, so that was some fun memory. It's different from, I guess, to, today's world where kids are all busy on their screens, or, uh, phones, or iPads, whatever computers they have. 
Is that one reason that drew you back here? Because you you did your undergrad here at um, CMU. You went on to receive your master's. You earned your your doctorate, and then you came back. And is that because partly, yes, the university, but also like we have like that outdoor kind of lifestyle that you grew up with? There was something. Yeah, Colorado is as a good destination for people who are migrating from Nepal who would like to come to these states and maybe like... uh, immigrate because I think it kind of reminds some way like the, like the outdoor uh, like the, what Nepal provides in some way definitely and so yeah I, when I was a student here I really liked the, uh, the, uh, the community very supportive the university the faculty right and then when I was asked to uh, come back if I was interested to come back to teach after my PhD, I just didn't think twice. It's like, yes, that's a great opportunity because universities don't hire faculty as often, right? It's right, uh, like an in- industry. Uh, so I just, yeah, I just uh, packed my bag and you know, suitcase, everything, and, and was here in a week because I just, yeah, I just loved Colorado when I was here as a student. And and built some connections with uh, some friends, right, and families, and then I was just. It felt like I was coming back home again in some ways. So you mentioned earlier that you were the first in your family to go to college. And here at CMU, more than 45% of our students are first generation students who, you know, their parents have never attained a higher education degree. And that's really central to our mission and is a foundation of who we are as an institution and the programs that we offer and the support services that we offer. And I would like to know if with you having experienced that yourself of being a first generation college student, Mm -hmm. does that lend you to be able to help our first generation students in maybe a better way or be able to connect a little bit more? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I could. uh, I mean, I may not be able to be in their shoes uh, because I grew up a little differently, right? As a poor kid in remote village somewhere in Nepal. Um, but I could see as a, as from uh, like a, being the first to go to college, like not, you probably wouldn't get uh, the, like, well, like the support you would expect from parents because they have never been through that experience. Like they don't have, so nobody to go ask, right? If they are lost or, or they're not, they don't know what to expect, right? So being uh, in that situations, I could relate to them in a ways that you know, yeah, you know, it, you could feel nervous, lost, uh, and uh, it's okay, right? So you can do it, and I've done it. As it's coming from from nowhere, I'm here, right? Um, finished not just undergraduate, but uh, masters and PhD. So you just if you if you are, if you have the grid, if you are interested, right? You don't have you you know you should you you can be totally fearless. And be the fearless first, right? And do what, uh, show a pathway, and do what you other your nobody has done in your family, and that's also uh, something you should be proud of. They should be proud of. Um, so I can encourage them in ways, right? That uh, I, you know, because I could relate to them in many ways. That's what I was going to say. It's probably really nice for our students not only to have services like TRIO and SSC that we have here on campus, but to know that their faculty members have gone through similar experiences. And I know, you know, we tout that our students and faculty have such a close relationship that you all are the ones in the classroom teaching Mm -hmm. these students, you're advising our students. So I bet that's got to feel good for a lot of our first generation students. I'm sure, right? It was fun to see a bunch of students at the the Fearless First uh, the first generation uh, day, student day, 
right? Just to serve ice cream and have a little social and serve, you know, serve, have barbecue together with a bunch of new faculty who are uh, first in their families and hear their stories and then staff and a lot of students, right? It was just, uh, it, it, was, it was just a great feeling to be there. I, to Caitlin's point that, you know, you're this first generation student and not only did you get your, your bachelor's, you have your PhD. So what is that like to know, you know, you are at the, the, the tip top of the education system, right? Like you, you reached this, this high point, this high watermark. What is that like to you to know that not only are you the first in your, your family to go to college, but you are so versed in your topic? Um, well, I I mean, it just happened in some ways. It feels great. Uh, uh, but, I mean, just having advanced degree makes you, I guess, even more humble. You feel like you don't know more. And I'm just glad to be here and share my knowledge, right? Share everything I have learned and and helping uh, pave the pathway for my students, right? And uh, whether they're pursuing their career in industry or wanted to go to grad, want to go to grad schools, give them a little test of research, through the cybersecurity center and everything I have done as a grad school, right? Uh, as with my background in um, in industry as a ethical ha- cyber cybersecurity ethical hacker, right? so I just try to pass that on to the students, uh, however I can through a new curriculum, new course, right, or any research and project activities, so they can. Um, uh, Continue. They they have the opportunity to do that. What I was able to do, uh, and but I don't think any other than just like I'm. I'm glad I. I'm glad I did what I did, and uh, I'm glad also that I am, being able to give back to the community and to you know, help the students, uh, achieve what I was able to achieve. I love that you mentioned the more, you know, the more you learn, the almost like the more humble you get, right? You, it's like you don't know anything the more you learn, which is, which is kind of a yes, funny concept. Sure. Um, but you did do some pretty incredible research. You uh, were part of a million-dollar project that was funded by um, a federal grant. It was something to do with cyber terrorism against mm-hmm. the U.S. Can you kind of talk about that and how you got involved? Sure. Uh, so after uh, master's, the, when I was at New Mexico Tech, they had received uh, funding. Uh, I was not involved in getting the funding, but they had already a, a, they have the, they had the funding received, um, granted, and uh, they were hiring, uh, 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 I guess, graduates uh, uh, and, and students to work on the project. And I was, I just had to. F- I was lucky, I guess, and I, I just had finished my master's then, and then I was, well, I was uh, pretty g- good as a programmer and doing, I had done some projects in security. That was, I guess, that impressed um, the folks who hired me to bring on the project, and uh, so uh, the project was mostly like to help crawl all kinds of information online you can find on forums and websites on anything that uh, terrorists could uh, take advantage of or spread any false uh, propaganda, false information, right? Uh, and and uh, some uh, and and kind of like mine that information for any intelligence you could, uh, any information you can uh, you could get out of it. So I 
two questions for you regarding computer science and cybersecurity in particular. And the first question is, what was it about those professions or those fields that got you interested? And then also, could you maybe break down for our listeners, like really basic, what is computer science and what is cybersecurity? Sure. Okay. So the computer science, um, I, I, I was fortunate to go to a private school and I got to play with computer once a week. Uh, I was taking a computer science class and we used to go in a, in a computer lab and write some programs. I was not, uh, I didn't have, I didn't grow up with computers in my hand, but it was, it was pretty exciting to see uh, when the internet was just beginning at right, the way, world, world, worldwide web and you can search for information online. It was, it was pretty, in, uh, pretty intriguing in many ways. Uh, and and just being able to come here in the U.S. and being able to study, pursue the degree that was a program that was fairly new in many ways. Uh, I, I consider myself very lucky in some ways. Uh, and it was not like planned uh, in any ways, but it just happened organi- organically. Just like, what should I learn? And maybe what, what are some of the opportunities moving ahead, right? Uh, as somebody uh, growing up in Nepal, what what could I learn? Maybe that could benefit the country if I go back. If I have to go back, if I go back and 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 do something with it, right? Can I gain some new skills that could be useful in the future? So that's that's how I was introduced to computer science as a very uh, young and up, filled with a lot of opportunities. Uh, but cybersecurity is different. Um, I didn't learn cybersecurity as an undergraduate here. We didn't have any programs. But going to New Mexico Tech, they were big in cyber, and they had a lot of fundings and grants they had received. And received then, and then as I got uh, the research assistantships in cybersecurity, right? And they had a lot of classes they were offering cyber, and I just got interested because again, there's like, yeah, this is even more exciting things. That it was then it was fairly new, but there's that was the the cutting edge, right? So because it's a it's, it's it was starting to become a problem, and it's gonna get worse. Right, and everybody needs security, right? Because we live in uh, and with technology world that's interconnected and driven by technology, right? And it's just gonna get, you know, we're gonna rely more and more on technology. So cybersecurity will be always there, right? And maybe job opportunities, right? Uh, and then job security will always be there, and things like that. And that's how I was. Uh, the, the opportunity drove me there to, to study cybersecurity. Uh, so. For computers, new folks who want to study, students who would like to pursue computer science. I don't know. There may be a myth. Uh, I was fairly okay in math, and there's some math requirement, right? So, but you don't need a advanced, any advanced math to learn coding, the basic pro- basic programming. So that's the myth. You, can, you know, that's is, is busted. If you have to, <laughs> I like that we're yeah. myth busting right now. <laughs> right. Here. So if you have the, if you want to solve hard problems, right, you want to go work for big tech companies who are doing innovative stuff. You do, yeah. The more knowledge you have, the better off you are. Like it doesn't have just math, just business, the stats, right. So anything you, you know, any skills you have, the better the equipped you are to solve harder problems, right. But just to learn the basics of like the, there's programming and coding and solve uh, business, simple business problems, right? You don't need advanced math. Um, and, and the reputations of things you do over and again, over and again, like just using the same concepts, right? Makes it easier to learn, right? As long as you don't get bored applying the same thing, but for different problems. 
right? It kind of like I use the analogy of uh, you uh, learning how like how to become a good musician, right? So there are few notations that makes up like infinitely many different melodies, right? All kinds of songs that people like and enjoy. So it's in computer programming world, it's like we have few concepts, a handful of same concepts, like 20, 30 keywords, right? Uh, that gets used over and again, right? F for solving all kinds of problems. I like that, that broke it down very nicely. I like that correlating it to a musician. That was a very easy way to picture what a person in computer science does. And I mean, I think we hear about cybersecurity all the time in the media. Would you say that the industry really is in demand? We need more people who know how to these how to know how to work these systems and how to figure it all out and make sure um, our country is safe that way. Oh, absolutely. And as I mentioned earlier, right? So we just, everybody, like growing up, everybody has, grows up with their phones in their hand, right? This phone is so powerful. It's a whole computer we are holding, right? So it's more powerful than the computers we had five, five, ten years ago, right? Or even modern computers are not as, some computers may not be as powerful as the phones we are holding. And and with the, all the information you're generating, right? So the, like the audio, video, t pictures, and all the personal information, right? You're posting it out there, right? So just not the, I guess, financial information, but the privacy, right? And, and, and the data about you, you, you're generating, right? Uh, and, and such a mass volume. And that's just, we're in the world that we want, everybody's generating more data. And, and, and the tech companies enable you to do that in such an easier way, right? Uh, so, which is great in some ways. We have a lot of data to learn and, and uh, that's, that's the path we, we are moving towards. Um, nothing wrong with that, but how do you protect that at the same time so the, the, the crooks, cyber criminals don't take advantage of it, right? And then uh, and try to um, um, uh, maybe use it against you or against the company, right? Uh, so yeah, everybody needs uh, to know at least the basic cyber hygiene because everybody uses computer in this world, modern age. Right? I don't know if uh, there is a single field uh, uh, that doesn't use compu computing technology, right, and internet in some ways. And as a result, we are so interconnected, right? And that makes, that opens up a lot of opportunities as well as a lot of good uh, potentially problems, right? And in some ways, uh, opportunities for hackers from anywhere, right, to take advantage of those connected devices and, and, and steal anything they can to, to uh, make money off. So earlier in our conversation, you mentioned that you are a cybersecurity ethical hacker. And so I feel like that's a really interesting topic that we could potentially explore a little bit more about. When you hear hacker, you don't think ethical. And yeah. so I'm assuming that you're not hacking into mainframes <laughs> and stealing a bunch of information. <laughs> but could you break down exactly what is an ethical hacker? And also being the director of our cybersecurity center, I mean, are you all working on projects like that with students or kind of what does that look like? Um, yeah, it's fun, actually. Um, so hacking is fun than defending in many ways because, right, uh, as a kid, when you play this, uh, you know, um, game, right, yeah, you always, you know, like cop, good guys are bad guys. Bad guys sounds very exciting in many ways, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? And so students, 
from a student's point of view, right? So uh, it's also learning how to hack, right? And not not to uh, not to just go out and hack. Of course, that's that's illegal, right? But the, the the techniques that the hackers would use to steal the information can be used to actually s- demonstrate that there is a problem in your system, right? There's a problem in your network, right? And this is how the hackers would do it. The s- demonstrating, showing that open up business uh, owners, uh, stakeholders' eyes in a way that otherwise they would not believe. There's like, if you just say there is a problem, it was like, yeah, like, what problem, right? I don't know. Are you sure? Yeah, just like, I can show you. It. Like, And then there comes the ethics part. It's like, sign these documents, right? Uh, and then you, you're aware that I'm just going to use the same tools the hackers would use, right, without disrupting any of your uh, technologies, any of your services. But I can show you how the, how I, how the hackers would get in, right, and see everything you do or, you know, put, uh, install malware, right? Um so that that the NDA the the signed with the contract you signed with the the the, the potential uh, stakeholder companies you are you do you're demonstrating the pen test doing the pen testing it's called penetration testing uh, uh, is essentially ethical hacking, right? It's exactly you use the same tools the hackers would use same similar techniques or maybe different or better, right? Um, but you there is a there is a uh, you stop at some point. You don't, of course, steal right, and take away, or you don't sabotage. You don't, you know, you don't disrupt anything. And then that's you should know, right? As a as a professional ethical person, hacker, you want not only know how to get in, but you should know uh, how to do it uh, in a way that it doesn't um, disrupt uh, the businesses and 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 actually demonstrate what the hackers could do, right, is essentially is ethical hacking. I would think that is a very powerful tool for business owners to see because even with like identity theft, you always hear about it. I know that it happens, but like, I don't ever think it'll happen to me, even though the likelihood is probably pretty high. And so I would assume something like this really shows these business business owners, like here's the holes in your systems. Here's how somebody could go at it. Here's how quickly they could do it. And here's how they could really disrupt all of your business. And so I think it's a really cool concept. And it's um, fun to hear that we're practicing that here in Western Colorado at Colorado Mesa University. And absolutely. So we have uh, three, uh, we have professional certificate uh, in cybersecurity, right? There's three classes, the courses in in, in, in ethical hacking, right? And security uh, related classes and from computer science program. And then there's minor in cybersecurity in conjunction with um, Business uh, computer information system program and computer and computer science. So they take these six classes, right? Three from business and three from uh, computer science classes, and the, the students can get the minor and learn essentially some ethical hacking skills that they can really utilize. Uh, and there's such a big demand in cybersecurity professionals, and and it's just gonna grow. Um, and Hopefully, we'll also be able to grow our program and provide full bachelors in cybersecurity at some point. That's my goal and dream. It. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Ram. It's been a fascinating conversation. I know I knew nothing coming into this conversation, and you have so much knowledge on the topic. So thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. This is the See Me Now podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.